Hello, and welcome to the Field Guides. I'm Steve, and I'm here with Bill. Good evening, Bill. Good evening, Steve. We're also here with Rich. Hey, Rich. <laughs> hey, Rich. <laughs> so, what we're going to do today, and over the course of many future episodes, is give you the experience of what it's like to be out in the field, in the woods, and on the trail. For every episode, we pick a natural history topic, research the science on that topic, head out to a natural area, and share with you everything we learned. And today, we're bringing you the third episode in our spring ephemeral series. What? <laughs> kind of. It's an animal, though, and you only really see him during the spring. <laughs> and Bill, do you want to tell everyone what it is? Yes. This is an episode that Steve and I have been talking about for quite some time. We are finally out hunting for the spotted salamander. Yeah, also called the yellow spotted salamander, Ambistoma maculatum. That's right. And we are at the Beaver Meadow Audubon Center. And I realized on the way out here tonight, we've actually done a couple episodes here in a row now. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, the Beaver Meadow Audubon Center is about a 400-acre nature preserve located about 45 minutes east of Buffalo, New York. And we recently did the skunk cabbage episode here, but we're here tonight. And Steve, you kept saying today, but it's actually nighttime. <laughs> yeah. And folks, can you hear... Those spring peepers around us. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> going to complain about it. I know it. <laughs> it might make it a little tough to hear, but um, we are out here on a chilly but not cold April evening. It's actually April 24th. So here in western New York, we have had an exceptionally long cold winter. Cold temperatures all the way through March, and most of April so far has been cold. So, guys, is this, you know, in your recollection, is this kind of late compared to what we normally see for looking for salamanders? Yeah, it just seems like it only warmed up in the last couple days, last yeah, really. few days. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, really, the past two days are the first uh, time in a long time we've had consistent temperatures above 40, 40 degrees, really. Mm -hmm. So Steve and I and Rich, we've been watching the weather. And for those of you that don't know, the spotted salamander is an exceptional, awesome critter because in the springtime... On the first evening, when temperatures are usually above 40 degrees, when it's rainy, uh, ground temperatures have to be at a certain level, that is when the spotted salamanders emerge from their hiding places in the leaf litter, wherever they might be hiding, and they move en masse to the closest breeding pond that they can find. So if you're out on the right night, if conditions are right, you can literally see thousands of of salamanders. Oh yeah, I think the first year I, I ever went, there was spring peepers all over the road. There were spotted salamanders and Jefferson salamanders all over the road. You literally couldn't drive at Beaver Meadow without killing <laughs> so many. And the thing is, if you didn't know the any humanity. better, if you were just coming here at night for like a night hike, you wouldn't have. You wouldn't know. Like you know, I mean. Other than you would see them in front of you, right, and you'd right. just be killing all these uh, animals. But um, it's intense. So, it some is. years, especially when like boom years or the, when the the conditions are just right, you have to watch your step every single step you go. Because, <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not hyperbole here, folks. What we're saying is, if you're out when conditions are just right, you can literally see thousands of salamanders. So, I don't know if we're going to see that many tonight. Like I said, conditions have been strange. We had a few evenings over the past month or so when things warmed up a little bit. So we're not sure what we're going to see tonight, but conditions seem good. So we decided to come on out. Yeah, a few of those nights when they warmed up, though, that we still had some snow packs. Right, yeah. Was, and I, I figured that um, ground temperatures just weren't high enough for the salamanders to be moving. So we were looking, actually, I was looking along the road as we were walking, but I I didn't see any yet, um, but what we're doing right now, we're, we're on a road that, that bisects the preserve. We have uh, about a 40-acre beaver pond coming up on our right. You can hear some Canada geese maybe. Um, they're calling. But to our left, there is a kettle pond, and that was where Steve and I... Um, saw some skunk cabbage. Saw some skunk cabbage in our last episode, and this is where we come each year to look for the salamanders. Oh, what do you got, Rich? Hey! Oh, Rich found a spring peeper. So spring peepers are kind of nice because just the way they look, they got these uh, kind of like an X on their back almost. Isn't it they got... Hyla cruciferae? Is that it? That sounds <laughs> right. <I don't> <laughs> so again, for if you don't know, spring peeper 
tiny tree frog, one of the few tree frog species we have here in the Northeast. Um, how big would you say that it is in your palm, Rich? Well, it's about the size of my thumbnail. Yeah, actually. so maybe about an inch width, long. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't say over an inch. Yeah, so um, it's wet, kind of a brownish color, but with, a, as Steve said, a faint X on its back. Yeah. Um, where the crucifer part of its, uh, its Latin name comes from. I was trying to figure that out, too, because I was like, I know mustards used to be in the crucifere. That's right. Cross-shaped. And I think that, for mustards anyway, that's just because they have four petals, kind of cross-shaped, oh. if you look at them. Oh, oh, right there, right there. Don't the frog just leaped off of Rich's hand. Yeah, let's not mm-hmm. step on him. So normally they can be pretty tough to find. You, Rich, you just found him crossing the road? Yep, he's yeah. just crossing the road. So obviously you can hear them all over the place, but spring peepers can be... Depending on conditions, tough to find. Although, Rich just found another one crossing the road. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. is a good night. This is a good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a lot of spring peepers on the move. All right, but let's give a little background on our target species on the spotted salamander. So you gave the Latin name. Give it again. Ambistoma maculatum. Yeah, so this is it's one of the mole salamanders, and it's common in the eastern United States and in Canada. It ranges from Nova Scotia over to Lake Superior and down to southern Georgia and east Texas. It's basically most of the eastern half of the United States, right. plus a little bit into southeastern Canada. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the the mole salamander group, that's the genus Abistoma, that is a group endemic to North America. Did you know it's the only genus in the family Abistoma today? Yeah, so I looked into that a little bit, and it turns out that it wasn't always the only genus, though. Um, Decamptodon, there was four western species okay. of salamander. They used to be in that family, but I guess recently they moved it out. I know uh, okay. in Catalog of Life, one of the places that I often go to, they still group them together. Right. But uh, I went on Wikipedia just to see, because sometimes Wikipedia is ahead of the curve, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they said that they were in their own family. Yeah, And I didn't realize that the, the axolotl and the tiger salamander are both in... Abistoma. Yeah, the most famous members. Yeah, the axolotl. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I also didn't realize the axolotl was used a lot in research. Oh yeah, because yeah. uh, what's that? Where you keep your juvenile form? Oh, shoot. Neophyte. Yes. Neophytic. <laughs> so I something. came across that term a bunch in the research. Yeah. And I've promptly forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, do you happen to know what ambistoma means? I don't. I was going to ask you that too. <laughs> yeah. So um. So. <clears throat> Forgive me if I say these words wrong, but <laughs> ambulus is Greek for blunt, and stoma is Greek meaning mouth. So it's a oh. blunt mouth. And often when you hear these guys described, at least compared to other salamanders, yeah. it's that they have a blunt nose, a blunt mouth. Yeah. yeah, they seem stout and they have wide snouts compared to what you might think when you think of a salamander. Yeah. So let's do. Let's talk a little bit about description. Sure. So Because I bet a lot of people out there may have seen pictures. So these guys are about 6 to 10 inches long. 10 inches would be a, a very big one. 9.8 was the largest measurement I came across. Yeah, and females tend to be a little bit bigger. Yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, their main color is black, but they can be bluish black or dark gray, dark Slate green. Slate gray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's what I thought of, because especially when you see them during the day, they're not like a jet black. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And there's two uneven rows of yellowish-orange spots. I'd say more yellowish. The spots vary, though. I've I've come across some with very small spots, and, and I guess you can get them anywhere from, like, 25 to 45 yeah. spots. But you too. can get spotless ones, but it's much more rare. And it is yeah. rare. Uh, and they run from the top of the head near their eyes down to the tip of the tail. I did come across that spots near the top of the head tend to be more orange, not always. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. the orange spots, yeah. And the underside is, is a slate gray to pink. Okay, okay. Right. Um, and then typically they're found in hardwood forest areas with vernal pools, and mm-hmm. vernal pools play a big role in their breeding cycle. Yeah, they can be found in uplands, but where you're going to find the most of them are going to be in lowland, right. wet lowlands, yeah. Yeah, I actually came across a quite a, a wide array of habitat types, but that those hardwood forests with the vernal pools were yeah. the most important. So Freshwater, yeah. Yeah, and those freshwater pools, hopefully you've heard of a vernal pool, but these are those seasonal pools, usually less than an acre in size, and unfortunately they're often too small to be protected as wetlands, but they're seasonal. So they appear usually in the spring as snow melts, But then by mid to late summer, they usually dry up. So, Rich, I'm going to put you on the spot. Why would that be good conditions for a salamander to lay its eggs in? Because the eggs 
take two to four months, yeah. two to three months to hatch. And, and and then they need to live in the water and and those pools aren't going to have any what predators they're not going to have yeah. any predators so fishless freshwater <laughs> bodies of water yeah fish usually tend to find it difficult to live in seasonal <laughs> you know ponds that they would have to fly into and then fly out when they dry up yeah exactly yeah flying fish not not the most uh, common thing in this area <laughs> right so that's why vernal pools are important. Um, not just for spotted salamanders either, but for a lot of amphibians, mm-hmm. they rely on them as a place for their young to develop with minimal predation. They're also crawling with a lot of uh, aquatic invertebrates that they do feed on. They feed on a lot of things, especially the young ones. Yeah. They're, uh, they're generalists for the most part, but um, a lot of these guys, a lot of these uh, aquatic invertebrates can really completely survive drying out periods. So... As soon as there's water again, there's suddenly a lot of food for them. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you come across that the larvae eat mostly zooplankton? That's kind of what I'm talking about. Right. These invertebrates, these yeah. aquatic invertebrates. Yeah. Right, yeah. So that's what I came across too. And then as they grow larger, they are going to eat larger invertebrates like isopods, um, amphipods, things like that. And sometimes adults will even eat the young in really uh, extreme situations where they have to cannibalize a little bit. Right, Yeah. when uh, food is scarce. Mm-hmm. Uh, adults will also eat crickets, worms, uh, insects, spiders, slugs, centipedes, and even millipedes too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but larvae and adults are primarily nocturnal, so they're coming out mostly at night to hunt. And uh, if you think back to our red-backed salamander episode, sometimes adults will eat smaller salamanders like the red-backed salamander. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you did put me on the spot. I had to make a correction. <laughs> that the eggs hatch in usually four to seven weeks, and then the, the larvae mature in about two to four months. There you so go. I just want to make yeah, a yeah. Correction. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Checking ourselves on the spot. So these guys, we said they belong to the group of salamanders called the mole salamanders. Yeah. So obviously that refers to the fact that they do spend most of their time underground. So like a mole. They are fossorial. <laughs> Spoon feed the audience. <laughs> Except for when it's raining, or if they're foraging or, or breeding like we were just talking about. And in winter, they usually do hibernate underground, under leaf litter. But I was surprised to find that most live within 100 meters of their breeding pond. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah so they don't travel very far. A few have been found as far as... 250 meters. <laughs> they also take the same trail back and forth. That's right. They, yeah, take the exact same path. Yeah, I found some. I, I started to look into research about how they find that path, but it seemed very, very prelim- preliminary uh, in terms of what people were finding out. Um, these guys, they're not strong diggers. They mainly use existing burrows and crevices, although they may enlarge some tunnels. And most, they're going to hide within just... Um, an inch or so of the surface but i did come across that some salamanders have been found as deep as three feet under the surface which i found pretty crazy for a little spotted salamander that's, yeah you know, sure several inches long did you happen to pick up on which burrows they're using like what animals they no, no i did not i no. wonder it didn't Is... mention specifically what i came across do so. you know what snakes use because snakes don't build their own obviously but... yeah i know often they use chipmunk, chipmunk bunch one. holes and i wonder if yeah. salamanders do you know also steal from chipmunks <laughs> they're going to use whatever's available <laughs> right and did you know that rich did you know this that spotted salamanders emit i mean technically they're poisonous yeah they emit a white milky fluid yeah i didn't know that uh, just, yeah, I don't know what it's made of. So one of their methods of defense, a toxic milky liquid, comes from the poison glands around their back and neck. Yeah, so, I actually just read that for the first time earlier today. Yeah, I never came across it. read somewhere that's around their tail as well. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and then, like most people have some knowledge of, salamanders do have autonomy of the tail. So if a predator <laughs> is, is uh, coming after them and grabs the tail, they can release their tail and grow that back. And I was shocked to come across that that's not where its regenerative abilities are limited to. That they can lose part of their leg, part of their tail, obviously, or even parts of their brain, head, or organs. And that can be regrown. But it takes a huge amount of energy to be able to do that. That'd be a nice skill to have. (laughs) (laughs) If you lose part of your head or your brain. I mean, there's some people that would really wish that they could grow those back. (laughs) Definitely, yeah. So... That's an area of research that obviously is, 
you know, needs to be tapped. Yeah, I know. Actually, as soon as you said that, it made me think of the hibernation episode because I was like, we kind of talked about the medical implications (laughs) of of trying to figure this stuff out for people. And I'm sure someone out there is looking into it. All right, so we're here tonight to search for them, to look for this specific part of their life cycle. So why don't we start heading over to the... Yeah. The pond. And this is a good time to slow down because we said a lot of stuff all at once. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's let's move over, see what we can see. Right. And uh, while we're heading over, I think it might be worth saying that this episode might sound a little bit different compared to the last couple because, number one, uh, Bill forgot the mic splitter. Yes, I did. <laughs> so we're not using our lavalier mics. And also... I didn't really prepare for this episode. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff going on, all right? So I figured Bill could uh, carry both of our weight. You know? I'm going to do most of the research-based talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, just, just to give you folks a little more idea, there's a, a, a light rain coming down right now, and we're trying to watch where we step in the light of our headlamps mm-hmm. to make sure we're not stepping on any amphibians crossing the road. And even those peepers are pretty dark, too, so yeah. they're not always easy to see, even with a flashlight just got the hotline call what's that we have our friend donna has just called me and said that her yellow spotted migration is picking up a little bit Uh and that she has about 20 or 30 um spotted salamanders in mass in her one edge of the pond and she's got a few coming in from the forest so she said if we wanted to come over all right she's about 20 minutes half an hour from here so maybe after we check this out we may need to head over there too oh that'd be pretty cool yeah and it is Late on a school night, folks. So I'm uh, I'm out here at about 10.30, 11 o'clock. I have to get up early tomorrow, but I'm here. And we appreciate it, Bill. <laughs> All right. So we're going to leave the road now. Mm-hmm. We have to be extra careful oh. because all these pebbles look like little frogs. You also hear the wood frogs. Oh. That guy? Yeah, those barking. So I don't know if you can. Chucking. I don't know if you can pick it up. If it's gonna pick it up on the mic, but there are wood frogs calling. They sound. Uh, some people say they make like a quacking call. I almost think it sounds like something someone rubbing their hands on a balloon. <laughs> uh, kind <laughs> of that. Yeah, that squeaking kind of sound. But hopefully that mic is gonna pick those up as well. All right, so Rich is up ahead, looking into the pond. We're coming up on the bridge now, right at the beginning of the pond. So what do we see? Uh, I saw a crayfish. <laughs> First crayfish of the year. <laughs> so, Bill, I know you said this was a long time coming, but did you say that we tried to record this last year and it never happened? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, we uh, last year we came out, like, how many times would you say Rich and you and I came At out? At least twice. No, no, it was like four times that we met up. <laughs> And uh, we, we kept, kept it. yeah, we would see one, we'd see two, you know, eventually Donna called us, but we didn't have much luck. All right, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about their life cycle. We mentioned that uh, when temperatures and moisture levels are right, it often is concentrated on one rainy spring night when, again, you can have hundreds to thousands of these guys on the move. And usually the number of males in those breeding pools exceeds the number of females So the males are going to be swimming about vigorously, rubbing and nosing each other. And then the males produce these blobs of sperm called spermatophores. Mm -hmm. And they can create up to 80 per individual. And then the females take the spermatophores into their bodies to fertilize the eggs. And males may fertilize several females. And females may use various spermatophores uh, to fertilize their eggs. Yeah, so this is something that I think is worth saying is that the males usually get to the pond first right and sometimes you can you know if you if you get to the ponds after the males have been there but before the females have been there you'll notice on a lot of the twigs and things that are just in the water you'll see these white little dots all over them right and uh and that's a good sign that uh the males are there (laughs) things are Uh, happening yeah that uh they're planting their little gifts everywhere (laughs) i even came across one study that sometimes male one male will cover the spermatophores of another male with his own. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Good move. Touche. And, <laughs> and then the females will usually lay about 100 eggs in a clutch. And most people are familiar with, you have this huge gelatinous mass with the black dots in them. Um, they cling to underwater plants. And each female can lay approximately one to 300 eggs per year. 
uh, often in several separate masses. And it's some reports say they average about 200 eggs per individual. Per okay, year. yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for you to come up with like, oh, I read they came, they're like a thousand or <laughs> ten thousand eggs. <laughs> the high end. Actually, uh, I don't think the high end goes up that high. Even <laughs> I, I think it might be in the three hundreds or something. Right. I, yeah. yeah. It's it's relatively consistent compared to other things we've said, like plants that produce seeds, because <laughs> that can be wildly different. Three hundred is the highest number that I came across. Yeah. But are you guys seeing egg masses? Are you no. seeing spermatophores? I'm not really seeing much. No. So one thing I will say is, uh, this is such a fun thing to do. I didn't discover it till about 2011, so I've only been doing it for like the last seven years. But I, the other things you see are so cool. One of my <laughs> favorite things, the leeches. I love watching leeches swim, and this is one of the best times to really, you know, you got nothing else really yeah, distracting not lot, you. Not a lot growing yet in the yeah. pond. Oh, we should... We should keep a lookout for the uh, skunk cabbage, too. Oh, yeah. See if it's changed into its fruiting mass. One, there. one over on the shore over there. Uh, that looks kind of rough. Yep, that does look rough. Nothing inside? It's totally gone, yeah. Oh, it's a bird's nest in there. <laughs> <laughs> skunk cabbage leaves are starting. Yeah. There's one. Oh. Ew. You got a salamander? Yep. Nice. Rich just got, he, he spotted his first salamander. There he is. Hey. Mm. hey we talked hey, about bud. those spots before. Yeah. This guy's got big spots. 20, they average about 24 to 45 spots. I don't know if you read that anywhere. But. Yep. Mm -hmm. And some spots down their back legs a little bit too. So I'd say this guy's about what, six inches long, seven inches long? Roughly? Yeah, uh, roughly, maybe a little shorter. Okay. Yeah. He's a little skinnier than some I've seen. Mm-hmm. They also have that big, right behind their jaw, gets bulbous. Yeah. So we're thinking, since we're not seeing much activity, this is probably a male, all right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. there is something special about their jaw, too, if I remember right. Did, did this ring any bells? Mm-mm. Nah. Maybe we'll post it in the episode notes, guys. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, let it poison you. <laughs> <laughs> Must not feel Lick threatened. it, Steve. Lick it. <laughs> Here, oh, there you go. He's going right into the mud. Yeah. Burrowing. Well, that's great. We saw one. All right. And these they have these, like, dark, bulging eyes, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love their... black marbles. The dead look that they give you. <laughs> it's nice to see one, but there's nothing look, better. Look, Hey! So frog on frog action? We have two frogs in Amplexus. Wow. Man! The male is a bit smaller. Yeah. So we have two spring peepers. The male's almost like a gray, and the female's like kind of like a lighter brown. Yeah. And the male's the, the male looks like a backpack. <laughs> in all honesty. <laughs> He's like what a third of the size. Or That's what it looks like. Size? I mean, she's yeah. kind of spread out though. Her legs are like all yeah. the way out. They're trying to hide their shame. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to be ashamed about, guys. That's right. <laughs> Keep going. I think that's the first time I've seen spring peepers. Yeah, I, I yeah. can't recall it anyway. All right, so I stopped here because I want to ask you guys, have you ever noticed that with spotted salamander eggs that sometimes they're they're clear and sometimes they're more opaque or whitish? Mm-hmm. You ever I seen that? I have oh, seen that. Yeah, yeah. So whenever I saw that in the past, I was just always assuming maybe the more opaque masses are older, but there's actually... They have two different kinds, polymorphism. Oh, really? So certain salamanders will lay the eggs with the clear mass, and then other times they'll lay the eggs with, with the, the milky opaque mass. mass. Yeah. yeah, the milky mass. Mm -hmm. So the one that has the clear appearance, that has a, a water-soluble protein as part of the mass, whereas the other morph, the white morph, it has a crystalline hydrophobic protein. Hmm. Interesting. So keeping water out. But is it also keeping water in? So it does keep moisture in, yes, but it's keeping the surrounding, some of the surrounding water out. Okay. So it, it seems that we're still trying to figure out what this is about. In most of the kind of casual mentions of it in non-scientific literature, it said that the clear egg masses were thought to be better 
for avoiding predation. They weren't really clear on the mechanism, like why that is. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because it it's blends in better. I don't know. But uh, when I actually did find research associated with this, what they found is that they looked at nutrient levels to see if there's any kind of connection between these egg masses and nutrient levels. And they found that there was. So they conducted something called a mesocosm. I had never come across this term. Have you heard this? I believe so. A controlled experiment conducted in nature. In nature, right. In yeah. nature. Mm-hmm. So they actually, the this experiment, they u- utilized um, ponds with spotted salamanders, but then they also created some ponds. So okay. artificially created ponds, but they put in actual leaf litter, they collected eggs and put them in there, and then... So are deer exclosures mesocosms? I would think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in these experiments, they found that upon hatching, there was an interaction between nutrient levels and egg mass morphs, where the individuals from the white morphs were larger in low-nutrient habitats. And this persisted through the larval stage. And they felt that it demonstrated that the white morph is advantageous in low-nutrient environments. Okay. And they went on to say eggs from the white masses had a significantly higher rate of hatching, about 80%, at both nutrient levels than the eggs from the clear masses. That was about 60%. But that the eggs from the white masses took longer to hatch. And you said the white masses have the hydrophobic proteins? Correct. Okay, so the eggs that are surrounded by the the gelatin mass with hydrophobic proteins, those are typically more likely in nutrient-poor conditions. It seems that the larvae do better. They do better, okay. They do better. They weren't saying that the white oh, masses... Oh, so they could like... be just as common or even less common, but they're, they're doing better. They're, they're doing okay. better in low-nutrient environments. Glad we cleared that up. Yep. Okay. And the larvae from the white masses tended to grow better, as we said, under low-nutrient conditions. But in contrast, larvae from the clear masses grew better under high-nutrient conditions. Okay. So the opposite. So it has something to do with nutrient levels. Um, Whether it has to do with predation, the other reasons I heard, doesn't seem clear. I didn't see a lot of literature. I didn't see any literature referring to that. So anybody out there have any information on that, please let us know. Now, you said do better. From what I've read... (laughs) And that can mean a lot of things. Yeah. yeah, From what I read, I think over 90% don't make it into adulthood, (laughs) partly because of the the kettle ponds drying up or partly because of predation. Right. But did you get a figure on that? Uh, What percentage of them don't make it? So yeah, I did find that more than 90% of them die as larvae. And as okay. you said, it's because the pond dries up or predators are diseased. And basically, if they make it out of the pond, so if they can make it through metamorphosis, their chance of survival increases dramatically. I didn't find uh, an exact percentage. Oh, I heard I heard that it's so good that's, that a lot of adults can make it to 20. Well, or... typically, yeah. Typically, yeah. they live 20 years in the wild. There was, was one report of one as old as 32 30. years old. Wow. It's crazy. So do you, do you have anything in terms of the predators that do take them? Um, no, I did not. Well, I, I did a little bit of reading. I didn't want to be a complete slacker. So uh, I saw that raccoons, uh, I could see it. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Turtles and snakes, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, sunfish, birds, aquatic frogs, newts, uh, a couple species of caddisfly. And also a whole genus of midges, I guess, or at oh. least uh, some, uh, it's just a particular group of midges. Yeah. So they must be eating the, the very young larvae, you mean? Oh, sh- yeah, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so these are predators across the board. I yeah. the eggs. I, I did some reading, and the midges and the uh, caddisfly will eat the, the eggs. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, newts, wood frogs, <laughs> crayfish. Got it. will eat the eggs as well, so. Now... The last chunk of material I have, it's really going to talk about a a symbiotic relationship that this species has with um, a a species of of green algae. Oh, yeah. This is uh, really fascinating. Now, do we want to talk about this here or do we want to go to Donna's? I think maybe we should head on over to Donna's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because right now, folks, we're not really seeing... We've only found one spotted salamander here, so we're hoping we're going to see more action over at our friend's pond. Yeah. I always hope to see more action. (laughs) All right, on that note, let's go. All right, so you're going to meet us there, Steve? Yeah. All right, we'll see you over there. Yep.
Hey, hey, hey. hey. Yeah. 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 Nice to meet you. Nice to see you. I'm glad you could come. Yeah, thank you. And this is even. I'm on a hug now. Oh, I forgot about you. I can hug you anytime. Not really. I haven't seen you in ages. I just saw one over here. I had the one in the bucket. So. They were still coming up here and they were really cool. Uh, but of course now they're gone. It's amazing how fast they can move. Oh, yeah. Well, there's but, but one, two, three. Let's see the nice egg mass there. Look at them all Where? in the middle coming uh, Right up. over there. Oh, yeah. And you got a couple salamanders there. Oh, there's the egg mass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So look, there's the milky white one. Yeah. Oh, no, I got a milkier one. Yeah. I got to show you the real, what they the really one. mean by milky. I'll show you, Bill. Yeah. There's one that's really white. So we were just talking about how we were yeah. looking into the research behind that. Yes, I'm, yeah, I'm always curious about that, too. And they, they're, no, they're not really sure, but they're yeah. finding that the one that's milky, uh -huh. um, salamanders do better in oh, yeah. low nutrient ponds from the milky egg masses. Oh. And the ones in the clear seem to do better. They right. um, they grow larger, the larvae grow larger. Ah, ah. Yeah. I have a milky one right over there, but yeah. we can, I have it, there's a salamander that was coming down. I'll show you over here. 12 there. Right oh, 12 just now. Yeah. Oh, here's nice. one coming out. Now this might have been one that had been here, you know, for the past. Oh, yeah. Week. Now look at this oh. guy. Oh my goodness. It's a Jefferson's, right? Yeah. Oh, so nice. So uh, who wants to describe what we're looking at right now? <laughs> it's a mole salamander again, yeah. but it's the Jefferson, and this one has a completely different coloration. It's, how do how, you say, it's a little bit slate gray, yeah, still but the slate it has gray. a lot of blue spotting along the uh, his side of his abdomen, into his legs, up along his neck. And it's a really nice blue, tail. too. Yeah, you can get yeah. some light blues in there. Take and... a picture mm -hmm. of it, and maybe you can... Yeah. Now, a little bit of background on these. In February, we had a, a warm spring week, and these Jeffersons typically come out before the spotted salamanders. They were out in February. I saw about a, 20 of them in the small pond, which we'll be going to. And then they were throughout. They were, I saw many of them uh, coming to the pond. Uh, of course, it stopped after the snow and the ice came. But as soon as uh, you know the conditions improved, they were... I think they were busy under the ice, to tell you the truth. I oh, really? Say, so when yeah. you saw them in February, was your pond covered uh, with ice? I think it had thawed out at that point. Oh, okay. And then it refroze. Okay. And when I came back, I saw even more eggs, so I'm assuming they were, uh, you know, under the ice. Yeah. Because uh, there were a lot more eggs than I had seen when it was unthawed. Wow. So, and I think they're almost done. They usually don't come to the big pond like the spotteds, but they have been starting to. What do you see, Rich? We'll go to the small pond. We've got quite a few in here, Donna. Now, I saw that your pond has some fish in it, too. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like they mind, at least right the small here. little, it looks like there's some minnows. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's a good question. Because uh, some people get a little worried because uh, fish and salamanders don't mix well because the, a larger fish will eat the eggs. Mm -hmm. And they just it's not a good habitat for the salamanders. But these are only minnows. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so actually that's it's fine. They so it's the the size of the eggs makes it so they they've escaped predation in that regard because the minnows are just too small to to eat them. Right? That's that's correct. We and, and these ponds are year-round ponds, right? They're correct. not vernal. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. okay. Yes. I have a one vernal in the woods in the back. Yeah. And it does uh salamanders do find that and lay eggs there. Yeah. Um and I think before we dug these ponds. Okay. So I'm sure before that there was just pretty much the vernal pools in the backwoods. And then when we dug them, then they found the ponds. And the salamander said, all right. Hey, wow. <laughs> we really got, we got a mansion out there. There was one over here. It's right here by my right foot. Oh, yeah. There's that one. Oh, yeah. This one has lots of spots. Mm-hmm. Not seeing any orange spots though. Oh, hey, you want to, well, do, I feel like I'm cheating. No, no. <laughs> I saved this one for you guys. And uh, uh, I think this one has the orange spots. Oh, near the head? Oh, yeah, yeah right near the yeah. head. See? Wow. Oh, yeah, are. just a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those wow. are rare, though, to see. Aren't they usually more southern? Or southern the descriptions that, that we were finding yeah. was referring to orange spots up near the head as it seemed to be not all that uncommon, but I hadn't seen them very much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just now and then I see them, yeah. yeah. Have you seen them without spots, the salamanders? I have spots? not seen, well, you know, honestly, if I saw a spotted salamander without spots, mm -hmm. you know, unless I looked closely, I'm wondering if mm -hmm. I would just think, oh, that's a Jefferson's, ah, you know? Right. You know, yeah. I've seen, I've seen at least a couple that had really dinky spots or mm -hmm. almost like they didn't have spots mm -hmm. at all, but mm -hmm. they were there, but they were... 
they weren't impressive like this anyway. Right. So, so I think I've seen something close right. to a spotless one. Well, I have seen them without spots. And yeah. when you look at them close, you can tell they're the spotted salamanders. Right. <laughs> they're, but just because their body form. And uh, that's what's so interesting about these salamanders is they're unique. Each right? one. Each one. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, if you could just, you could study them and you get to know them as individuals. You get to know them just by appearance, right? Oh, well, yes. Yeah. But especially since I'm sure you get the same ones every year for many, many years, especially yeah. if they make it to adulthood. Because so. they do yes. return to the same ponds. Yes. Yeah. And they live up to 20 years, right? Yeah. 20 mm-hmm. years or more. Yeah, the record, what did we say? 30. 32. Oh, 32. Wow, I never heard that. Yeah. That's great. I actually had, was inspired. I was going to do a study with them with a spotted, but how are you going to do that? <laughs> they leave and then they're gone. We don't see them until spring. Mm-hmm. So anyway, here's the other one. Big one coming down here. Now maybe it's amazing. They seem to be moving slow, and yet you'll turn around. You and turn your head, and, and they're, they're gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he might have made it to the pond already. Um, if you had been here about an hour ago, I had a group of twenty oh. in here, and what they, they the males gather in what they call a congress. Oh yeah, and uh, I don't—they dispersed. I, it was just really odd. Oh, look at here. Here's a pretty good mass, right there. In that, uh, can you see it? There's yeah, quite yeah. a few right there. Oh yeah. Now, isn't a group of owls also called a congress? <laughs> I think is you're really? right. <laughs> I think so. Oh, so, a so. Oh, a parliament. Oh, a there parliament. we go. Oh, so we got a congress. Oh, of oh, look, there's there one they are. Come out to the top. Isn't that cool? yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There. Eleven, twelve. Where's that mass you were talking about? It was over there. Oh, okay. Um, about an hour ago, and then I came back down, and they were, had been dispersed. But now we have a nice little group here. Uh, usually, they really get going, and they start, you know, uh, coming up to the surface for air, and then going down, and they'll be doing it together, up and down, and I. I end up calling this a carnival night because they just look like <laughs> water ballet dancers. Yeah. And it's so wild with the wood frogs clacking away. There's one. Oh, that one's really fast. Oh, yeah. If anybody's watched salamanders in the woods in the summer, you know how slow they are. Oh, yeah. Let me see. Let me go over here. I'm going to show you that uh, really white egg nest I found earlier. Uh, oh, yeah. You gotta watch where you're walking. Yes. Did you find another one? No, the, the Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you have a lot more going on here than at Beaver Meadow. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to see them too, you know. Um, this is slow, th- oh, this is a slow night. Oh yeah. my gosh, this is so slow. I'm afraid I might have discouraged too many people. Yeah. For somebody who hasn't seen it, this would still be remarkable. So Donna, do you not get a lot of wood frogs at this pond? Correct. They will, when there's too many, I think the overflow over there, we'll get a few here. Okay. And they will lay their eggs, but this is not really good wood frog habitat, this okay. big pond. I think it's too cold, it's too big. Um, they prefer a smaller, shallower, shallower pond. But, yeah. but they will come over here, yeah. I, I think towards the end, I, if you make it over here. And you might see one down here. I think I saw one tonight, a little wood frog. But you can hear them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it's still warm enough because if it's get a little cooler, they'll. Uh, but they've had a pretty good time. They've been laying a lot of eggs. It's been a little late start, but they're they're making up for lost time. <laughs> oh, I think. Oh no, that's a greenie, isn't it? That's a couple greenies. <laughs> we got a woody there. Now we've had and Rich, uh, you've seen that our snapper. We've had a snapping turtle here off and on. It got pretty good size. We don't know if it has been nope. sort of. Munching on the salamanders? <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting on the amphibians how all the egg masses are so different, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. From different shapes. Uh, and you can tell them apart. I forgot. How does the uh, Jefferson differ in terms of the way it looks from the uh, yellow Eggs? spotted? Yeah, uh, you'll see. We'll oh, see okay. <laughs> so we're going to come up yeah, to some. We'll, we'll go down. There's like hundreds of them. Oh, this is nothing, though. This is really right, Richard. Oh, Richard, cra- for you. This, I'm is, amazed by the this is an off right year, but it's still a pretty exciting year. Yeah, but I've never um, seen that many. Look all, I've yeah, never seen that many crayfish. Oh One, no, two, we, three, yeah, four, we five, have. Five, this is definitely a crayfish yeah. city. Wow. I'll tell you. Oh, look at that. Holy cow! Yeah. Oh, we got a tadpole too. Oh, hey, eastern newt. Nice. That's an adult. I don't really see the adults all that much. Yeah. yeah, this is a, they, they quite numerous in here. We see a lot of them. So I think we've talked about it before. This is uh, what a lot of people see. They, they see the uh, red eft. Right. Yeah, but this is the adult. It still has some of those orange spots right. along its body. Red spotted newt. Yeah. yeah. 
Once it becomes an adult, this is it. This is this is home, it. Right? This is their mm-hmm. end stage. Yeah. Right. The the red eft is uh, terrestrial, but the adult is aquatic. Yes, that's weird. The larval forms aquatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I believe, um, I think last year we saw actually an adult looking one coming to the pond. So we figured it would have been ah. an eft that had transformed. Yeah. And it was oh. coming uh, to the pond. So one of my favorite things about the adults is the way they swim. Mm-hmm. They kind of put their legs back, mm-hmm. all, all four of their legs they put yeah. back, and they just kind of like wiggle their body. Yeah, yeah, like an alligator. Yeah. That's true. yeah, like an alligator. That's a great way to put it. So back at Beaver Meadow, we said we were going to be talking about uh, a symbiotic relationship that the spotted salamander has with a certain species of algae. And uh, I think now is a good time to do that. And People may have seen spotted salamanders, articles about spotted salamanders showing up in the past few years, and that's because of research that's been going into this relationship. So there's a a symbiotic relationship that does exist with a species named Ophila amblystomatis. Okay. So that is a green algae, one-celled green algae, that actually lives in the egg sac. Um, So the jelly coating that's on these eggs, it does prevent them from drying out, but it inhibits oxygen diffusion. So, And that's required for embryo development. So this algae invades and grows in the egg capsule, and it photosynthesizes and produces oxygen in the jelly. But what do you think it gets in return? Is it just that it doesn't dry out? No, it gets carbon dioxide. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So the developing salamander... Uh, metabolizes the oxygen and produces CO2. Okay. So that relationship has actually been known of for decades. Like a little biodome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, that's good. Um, and think about the name, Ophila amblystomatis. What do you think that means? Ophila. Ophila. Yeah, uh, you might have to tell me. It actually means loves salamander eggs. Oh, fit. So, yeah. Okay, I got it. Yeah. So it's only unique to the salamanders? This, one, this particular species, as far as I could tell, is only found with the spotted salamanders. Wow. Now, there are related species within the same clade that mm-hmm. um, have been associated with wood frogs uh-huh. and with other salamander species. Right. But as far far as I can tell, and, and some literature actually refers to this, that this species of algae is only found with spotted salamanders. Oh, really wow. Interesting, interesting. Coevolution. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. sometimes sure, it yeah, is yeah. referred to as salamander algae. Um, yeah. Or, I want to make sure I get this right, Clementomanoe. <laughs> that is a 25-cent word. Clamidomonad algae. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, or salamander algae, <laughs> exactly. Or easier salamander no. algae. Um, and and as we were just talking about, there were several references where I said I found things saying it doesn't occur anywhere else in nature other than in the eggs of the spotted salamander, which raises a red flag for me. Like, gee, I wonder if they're just saying that, and, and this actually is found somewhere. But I could not find any other references well, you know, to it. They might be elsewhere. Right now, they haven't found it. So yep. Like, yeah. Now, the crazy part is that over the past few years, they found that this relationship may go deeper. It actually does go deeper than just them living within the egg sacs. Mm -hmm. And this algae actually invades the cells of the larvae. So there have been some studies that have looked into this. And, you know, normally when when we have something living, trying to live within our cells, Mm -hmm. within our body, our immune system kicks in. Mm -hmm. And... They've actually found that there is not a response mm-hmm. within the salamander cells. Right. That they're they're okay with it. Right. So this relationship has obviously evolved, right. and it's been around a long, right. long time. Right, and it's symbiotic. Well, that's interesting. Now, see, you notice now sometimes I do see the green algae in the eggs, but I think it must be later because like these are fresh. Right, and mm-hmm. we, don't we don't really see the see green, the green. Yet, but later on I do notice it. Right. You know, in the eggs. So maybe with the sun, with uh, I don't know how they algae. As the eggs start to grow, maybe. Yeah. They... Now I did find uh, one study. Now this was an older one from 1986. They actually inserted an oxygen-sensitive electrode. Um, inside the eggs to measure the oxygen concentration. And they said during darkness, oxygen became severely depleted within the eggs. Mm -hmm. But upon exposure to light, oxygen concentrations Mm -hmm. concentrations Mm -hmm. increased rapidly to the point where oxygen production exceeded 
respiratory consumption. So it led to oxygen supersaturation inside the eggs. Sounds like photosynthesis. Yeah. Yeah. But even when the water surrounding it was almost completely devoid of oxygen. Oh, Um, okay. So this is a wonderful relationship for the the salamanders to have. So that's a good way of knowing that the oxygen wasn't coming from the water around it. Was that the oxygen could only have generated inside the egg. Inside the eggs, right. Now... The cool part is that we're still not sure where the algae's coming from. Right, right. Um, so they did some studies, and the one study I'm gonna I want to focus on is from 2015 in Phycologia, and they referred to studies conducted on egg masses prior to the molecular era, concluded that this algae invaded egg masses from the surrounding water, but there was no definitive identification. That explanation, I know it's a prior to the molecular era, yeah. but it makes it seem like they're just in the environment and invade the egg. So right. this is probably the old thinking. Right. Yeah. So this particular study, they developed um, a collection and filtration method, and um, then they were looking at DNA, and they showed that pond water in which the yellow-spotted salamanders and wood frog deposit egg masses do contain algae that nest within that clade. I should say the oophiloclade. So some of the algal sequences obtained through that method are within the oophila subclade that contain algae that exclusively associate with the yellow-spotted salamander. Okay? The study supports the hypothesis that algae from breeding habitat are a source of algae that form these symbiotic associations. So that's what seems to be happening. So are they saying it is in the environment? So that would seem to me that the ones they're finding are related Mm-hmm. But they're not this specific right. species. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're saying, well, since these other ones are in the environment, mm-hmm. we're hypothesizing that the specific one associated with the spotted salamander is also in the environment. But it's not definitive. Got it. Because they're not finding that specific species. Right. Okay. Which is, to me, it's crazy that, you know, spotted salamanders, which are relatively common, this is still something that mm-hmm. this relationship is... We, we're still learning so much about it. So if you've already cleared this up, forgive me for needing you to clear it up again. Yeah. The eggs don't exist all year round. Correct. What happens with the... Right. Yeah. So what what happens to it? (laughs) The algae. Yeah. What happens to the algae? So I found references saying that they believe, there's a belief out there that the algae is persisting and being passed on to the next generation, possibly. Persisting. So you're saying persisting Where? within the with, salamander? Within the salamanders. Within the salamanders. Oh, so maybe when she, she deposits her eggs? Maybe they're within her body? Maybe, yeah. You know, there are so many questions. I, I think we can still have more scientists <laughs> yeah. coming up and, 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 and doing honestly, a study. And honestly, I know? do have wow. to say that there is a lot of research on there out there on this Mm -hmm. and i didn't get to spend as much time as i wanted to so this is something i think we need to follow up on Mm -hmm. if uh, any members of the audience out there find more information on what happens to the algae once these salamanders metamorphize out of their larval stage you know where does the algae go Mm -hmm. all right yeah we're giving you some homework again (laughs) yeah and and i should say i should point out i did not find specific references saying that the algae does persist within the adult mm, form. Mm. Okay, that was just uh, maybe something in a discussion. Correct. Yeah. On really warm nights, they will keep mating and, and making noise, and not be real sensitive. Now, tonight I think it's just the opposite. I mean, they'll be oblivious to you, <laughs> but I think tonight might be the opposite because I came down here earlier and they were just really clammed up when oh. I came down. Yeah. Th- so, so they're going to quiet down a little one bit. Of those really crazy warm nights. They don't even care if you're here. <laughs> Remember that, Rich? Oh you can just see them mating and. Yep. Well, at Beaver Meadow, we did get to see two spring peepers mating. Oh, we did. They were oh, that's growing together. Never seen them. They're still packing away. Oh, yeah. Now, over on that edge is where you see the eggs, and sometimes you can see them laying the eggs. So we'll go around where Rich is going. That's good. So it seems like we've made it to the wood frog orgy. Yeah. <laughs> and they have not stopped going at it. <laughs> oh, there's a wood frog here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, look at Doing the backpack again. Yep. 
So we have some wood frogs mating here. You know, it's the same thing. The male looks more gray. Yeah. And the female looks a little bit more... Lighter like in a, color. Yeah, lighter, almost a little bit of a reddish brown. And it looks like there's another male yeah. kind of <laughs> waiting for his chance. There's a couple over here. The, Rana the, sylvatica. Yeah. Yeah. So... We're looking at Jefferson eggs now, Jefferson salamander eggs. Yeah. And uh, the white ones, which we're thinking might be dead, those look like pearls. They, they legitimately look like pearls from a pearl necklace <laughs> in kind of like a cloudy jelly. And they kind of run pretty long down some of these uh, sticks that have fallen into the water. Yeah, so the, the egg masses are pretty long compared to the spotted salamanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, this one, you would say, runs for more than a foot here. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Donna, what are these? Oh, there's like a golden one. Oh, that's a newly deposited egg mass from a, a wood frog. Oh. And oh, it'll wow. swell up with water. So it's she's, they probably deposited it, and then it takes a while for the water. I guess it's the water. That yeah. They, so these are all wood frog masses here? Yes, these yeah. round ones with the really black are the uh, wood frogs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they will look like these other ones. Uh, I don't know how long it takes. So um, they almost look like uh, chia seeds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they do. do. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like a gelatinous blob of yeah. chia seeds. Oh, wait a minute. Are those sperm packets over there, Rich and Bill? Is hey. That, I think yeah. those are sperm. Down the bottom there? Yeah, yeah it looks like it. I think those look like sperm packets. Yeah. Where do you see them? Yeah, they're kind of all over there. This yeah, little, dot, little white dots. Oh, I, wish. I think I see them. They're more just on the ground instead of like on like an object sticking yeah. out of the way. Right. So the female have to pick that up with her cloaca mm -hmm. and uh, have the internal fertilization that way. That's kind of cool. It's kind of a different way to do it. Yeah. And we have more over look here. Oh, oh, yeah. Look at, the sperm, look at that. Sperm packets One, two, there. Yep. Oh, you know what? Maybe we can get... Is, is that okay, you guys? If I get, maybe I can get a sperm packet and show yeah. you up close. When I first was discovering these salamanders, I didn't know what the heck these little things were, you know? And I, <laughs> I was looking at them and it... It took me a while, but I finally figured it out. I can put it right back. Oh, it almost looks like a mini little golf tee almost. Yeah, they really stick up a bit. Ball. So it's almost like they're on a mound of jelly, yes, and yes. the white part, its the whole thing's not white, just some of it. I love this dance they do. So they start at the bottom, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then they just yeah, wiggle their bodies up <laughs> until their nose pushes out of the water, and then they'll just go back down again. Yeah. Yep. And they just get a gulp of air. air. Yep. But what I found was really interesting, when we had that first warm-up a few weeks ago, it was like 64, and I came down at night, and we had some salamanders in here, and then we had that freeze-up again. I mean, our ponds were locked with mm -hmm. ice. Now, they had to be down in that pond. So they must have been breathing through their skin mm -hmm. to make it through. Yeah, <laughs> but yet here they're always showing how they have to come up for air. Yeah, he's got all them clams on his feet. Oh, you see one? Yeah, see it? See what? The clam on his leg. Oh, right That's there on his back get, leg. That's why he can't get away. Yeah, the clam on it. It's not just leeches that can grab onto these guys. This <laughs> one's legit got like a little clam on it, like a freshwater clam. clam. To, I think we were trying to do a rescue one time, Rich, remember? Oh, yeah. Trying to take a clam off, and then we decided, this is terrible. I'm probably going to rip the poor toe off. <laughs> and then, you know, once the salamander starts going back into the woods, yeah. that clam's going to drop clam's off. Gonna right, so yeah. Like <laughs> I'm sure it's not happy out on dry land, you know. <laughs> And maybe that's the way those clams get spread around, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I miss how the yeah. salamanders are taking them off and to other parts. Yeah, especially if they're in a vernal pool, you know, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, th th maybe they can move another, around from pool. pool to pool. I don't pool. know. I don't know. Yeah. So just the, see this huge portion here? This was not our pond, original pond when we first dug the pond. Oh. That little bay in there was the small pond. Oh. And uh, that's where... I first learned about wood frogs. For two yeah. years, I thought they were ducks that were coming to <laughs> our pond. And then I finally figured it out. And then you come down here, and they'd all be quiet. And yeah, they'd all be quiet. I said, what the heck? It's like, where did all on? the ducks go? <laughs> <laughs> They're the quietest flyers. I know. They flew off. How many do you think are in that mass right there? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirty. I was going to say, more than ten. Fourteen. Yeah. 
Wow. A couple losers about five feet away. They're just watching. Those are the girls. They're just eyeing them up. There's a couple on the stairs. Oh, I always like it when they're on the stairs. Oh, yeah, look at that. He's trying to climb up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, ow. Oh, no. that one over there. There's another one there. He was just trying They've had enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that, there's that one there. All right, well, I think this is a good spot to start wrapping up because I was just going to end with uh, the current conservation status of the spotted salamander. Um, so it is still a fairly common species, but it's generally thought that their populations are definitely impacted by things like acid rain, uh, but also habitat loss since vernal pools are such an important component of, of what they need. But right now it is still listed as a species of least concern by the uh, IUCN and I couldn't find any states that list it as an endangered species or even a species of special concern. So mm -hmm. it's good news for yeah. once. Yes, yeah, in here. I, I, I looked at it too. But yeah. yeah. All right. So um, do you have anything else? No, I think, that's, uh, I think that's a good place to wrap up. All right. So I did want to mention to the audience that uh, if... You ever wanted to meet Stephen myself that there is an actual chance coming up? So here in Western New York, every year, the first weekend in June, uh, there's an event called the Allegheny Nature Pilgrimage. It's been going on for over 50 years, and I think it's one of the, the best natural history events um, really across the country. It's the whole weekend. Uh, they have speakers. They have people that lead nature hikes on dozens of different topics um, on Friday, Saturday, most of Sunday. Um, they have tent programs in the evening on Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, it's at Allegheny State Park, which is right on the New York State-Pennsylvania border in western New York, just to give people an idea of where it is. Um, if you go to AlleghenyNaturePilgrimage.com, you can find out program information, how to register, uh, information about camping and cabins and all that stuff. And Steve and I are going to be doing a program on Saturday afternoon. Uh, right now we're planning on, it's going to be a, a greatest hits, kind of a recap of kind of some of the most interesting things we've come across in our research, but also... Probably some new stuff, yeah. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. we'll, t you know, talk about whatever we find along the way, and right now we are planning on recording it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll release it, and um, maybe it'll be a bonus episode, maybe it'll be an actual episode. <laughs> maybe it'll be the worst episode we've ever <laughs> <Maybe>. done. <laughs> we've never done this before, so it's going to be an experiment, so... uh Come on out, and we'd like to meet you. Mm -hmm. All right, and we also wanted to share a recent iTunes comment. Someone did did leave another five-star review. This was from Smileness. <laughs> With a lot of S's at <laughs> yes. the end, yeah. And they said, the format and content are perfect, well-executed, knowledgeable, funny, and nerdy as hell. The Eastern Screech Owl episode is gold. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that review, and folks, please do... Continue to leave reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, those things. Uh, they really do help raise the visibility of the podcast, and they help new people find us. Yeah. And I also wanted to thank Rich for joining us once again, our unofficial third member of the field, guys. It's great to be here. Thank Thanks, you. guys. And Donna, thank you so much for opening up your property to us and letting us come out. Uh, late on a weeknight. Oh, it's my pleasure. No, thank it's you. My pleasure. Yeah. All as it is. Thank I'm you so, so much. I'm so glad you're interested in. And uh, I love sharing this experience with you all. Yeah, thank you. It's special. All right, so we'd also like to thank our growing list of Patreon supporters. So thank you, Daniel, our newest top patron. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. So we're thankful for every single patron, but at the end of every show, we give a special thanks to our top patrons. So thank you, Rob, we named the dog Indy, Bethany, and especially Scott, Ken, Diane, Morgan, Alyssa, Mountain Misery Farms, and Elizabeth. Thank you guys so much. And if you want to share comments, shout-outs, episode suggestions, you can always email us at thefieldguides at gmail.com. Uh, like us and follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at FieldGuidesPod or check out our Instagram feed at FieldGuidesPodcast. And if you like what you hear and you want to support the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash thefieldguides. But if you're like us and you can't afford to financially support a podcast right now, there are other ways you can help out. You can share the episode with friends or rate us and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It really helps us get the word out to more people. Although I got to say, almost no one leaves reviews on Stitcher. That's true. <laughs> so uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next month. See you next month, folks. This guy walks into a bar and he's got a newt on his shoulder. 
and he sits down and the bartender says, hey, what's that on your shoulder? And the guy says, well, that's a newt. And I call him Tiny. And the bartender says, why do you call him Tiny? And the guy says, because he's minute. I quit the, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> That's darling. Small pond? Yeah. Hey, we'll go down to the small yeah, pond. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs>